Well, we've come to the main, more, main message portion of our service now, so uh, let's start with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we open our Bibles now, we pray that you'll give us understanding to the things that we read. Let us never take these things for granted, and through the Holy Spirit, give us a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation of the gospel and uh, of who you are and who we are because of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to talk a little bit today about happiness. You know, America's founding fathers wrote of the universal human right to the pursuit of happiness. That's written in our founding papers, Declaration of Independence and Constitution, that we all have the right to the pursuit of happiness. And that's something that we really appreciate as being Americans. But you know what? To pursue something is no guarantee of catching it. And even though our founding fathers said that we have the right to pursue happiness, sometimes it seems that happiness really eludes us in this life. And we as Americans, above all people, have so many things to be thankful for and, and happy about. But uh, all you have to do is watch the news for probably about a half an hour, and you're not happy. <laughs> I know I feel that way too. Many have engaged in the pursuit of a self-defined happiness without much to show for it in the end. Does happiness consist in the possession of riches, in wisdom, power, pleasure, or fame? After all, what is true happiness? You know, God feels happiness. God is a happy God. Now, that's a phrase you don't hear very often, because how can God be happy looking down on this world? <laughs> but he is, by nature, a happy God, and he wants to share that happiness with us. I asked the question, what is true happiness? Well, God is the source of true happiness. Now, that's one reason why there's not a whole lot of happiness in the world or in our country. Because God is the source of true happiness. People are seeking happiness in other things, like I said, in wealth, in power, in fame, and they're not really being satisfied by it. Because the truth of the matter is, God is the source of true happiness. I'd like you to turn to a scripture with me in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11. And this is a scripture that uh, pictures God, I think, as being happy, blessed and happy. Paul here is talking to Timothy about uh, avoiding anything conforms to God's word, anything that conforms to God's command. And he says here, uh, avoiding whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine verse 11, that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. That's an interesting way of describing God. Blessed God, but that word means a little bit more. Elsewhere in the Bible, that word, as I'll show you later, is translated happy. So could Paul here be describing, describing God not only as blessed, but happy? the happy God. This word translated here blessed but elsewhere happy is the Greek word makarios. 
Makarios. Uh, its meaning is a little bit more nuanced than what we get from happy. The idea behind makarios is that something is made large or lengthy. When God blesses us, he extends his benefits to us. He enlarges his mercy and his grace to us. He lengthens his charity in our direction. Of course, the person to whom God's benevolence is extended is the happier for it which is why the word makarios is sometimes translated happy or fortunate or enviable. So we are happy, we are blessed, we are fortunate, we uh, are enviable in the eyes of some other people because of what God has done for us. He's bestowed His grace on us, He's made us better people. He's given us reason for joy, especially as we look toward our future the present and the future, when Jesus returns and we receive our, our final reward. So that's something we should be happy about. And I think that in this passage here, Paul is trying to describe God as being the same way. God is by nature happy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, God is happy because he possesses infinite riches of being. He has fullness of wisdom. He has goodness, he uh, has power, all the power of the universe in and of himself. And because he possesses these infinite riches within perfect communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that God is in relationship. He's one God in three persons. So for all eternity, God has had all this, all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, all goodness, and he has shared it in relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why God is happy. That is a happy existence that he uh, has lived in for all eternity. So often we think of God as non-enthusiastic or even gloomy. But the exact opposite is true. God loves to be God. He really does. He takes great pleasure in all that he does. He is enthusiastic about serving his people and working for their welfare. Well, that puts God in a slightly different light, doesn't it? Because we get miserable, we get depressed and discouraged so much, we think that we're probably making God that way too, as he has to deal with us individually on a day-to-day -day basis. But, you know, no gloominess, no depression or discouragement on our part is going to make God feel that way. God is by nature a happy God. Turn with me to Jeremiah 32, verse 41. Jeremiah 32, verse 41. He finds pleasure in being God, and he finds pleasure in sharing his goodness with others. And notice what it says here in Jeremiah 32, and verse 41. This is God speaking. I will rejoice in doing them good, his people, he's talking about. I will rejoice, I'll be happy in doing them good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. So God is infinitely happy, and that is good news for us. He is happy about his interaction with us. Yes, even in spite of our sins. Like I said, 
sin on our part and discouragement on our part doesn't lessen God's happiness. No one would want to spend eternity with an unhappy God, would we? You know, one of the things we're looking forward to is getting out of this depressed and discouraged world and dwelling with God. Now, how bad would that be if we found out someday that God was very unhappy himself and very discouraged and very depressed? Who would want to live for all eternity with a being like that? Well, the good news is that God is not like that. God is not like us. He is so far above us, his ways and his purposes are greater than ours. God has nothing to be discouraged about. God has nothing to be depressed about. When we dwell with him, we're going to rejoice and be joyful because God is a joyful and a happy God. You know what? God has built in us a desire, a longing for happiness. Think about yourself in this case. You know, when we go through the trials and tribulations of our daily life, we think, if only this trial could end, if only this situation could be solved, if only this would be over, and we could enjoy life. We have a yearning for happiness. I think the founding fathers knew that when they wrote, you know, the, the founding documents of our country, talking about the pursuit of happiness. Everybody has inside of them a desire to be happy. We don't want to be miserable. We don't want to be depressed and discouraged. We want to enjoy life. God has built that in us. Why? Because he's like that. And he wants someday for all of us to enjoy that fully with him. True joy and true happiness. So God has built in the human race a desire and a longing for happiness. But here's, here's the point. That true happiness can only be found in God, in our relationship with God. So people today are trying to find happiness in everything else. They're trying to uh, amass money. They're trying to amass cars and houses and clothing and, you know, everything that they can possibly find happiness in, and they're coming up short. They're coming up empty. You know, Solomon wrote about that in Ecclesiastes because he was one of the richest men who ever lived on earth. He had great power as the king of Israel, but toward the end of his life, he wrote that whole book just lamenting how he didn't find happiness and joy in all the things that he possessed. Well, that's a story that is repeated time and time again in the history of this world and this civilization. But like I said, God has built in us a desire for happiness. But the secret is happiness can only be found in relationship with him. It can't be found in physical things on this earth. Turn with me to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Notice what David says here about his relationship with God. Psalm 84, beginning in verse 1. He says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, he says to God, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. So that's that desire, that yearning that God has built in us for happiness. He felt that, and he realized that the only place that that true happiness can be found is in relationship with God. 
going to the temple, worshiping God. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Verse 4, he says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So blessed or happy are those who dwell in the house of the Lord. For those who have a yearning and a desire for true happiness, they're going to find it not in the things of the world, but they're going to find it in God, who is a happy God. And God has built in us the need for that relationship, and we find happiness in relationship with Him. Just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit find happiness in relation with each other, God has extended that relationship to us. He wants to include us in the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He wants us to find the true joy that they feel in relationship together. And so many of us on earth think that, well, no, we don't need God. We can find happiness in other stuff. And so many people get lost in the pursuit of happiness because it's not true happiness that they're looking for. They're finding a false happiness that doesn't last very long. You know, some uh, look for happiness in drugs or in gambling or uh, in sex. And, and you know what? It doesn't turn out to be anything long-lasting. It could be temporary, but it's not true happiness. Happiness consists of knowing and living in relationship with the triune God, of entering into the relationship that they have as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that opportunity to uh, enter into that relationship has been extended to us through Jesus Christ. He came down to this earth. He was born as a human being. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so our relationship with God can be restored. It was cut off because of our sins. But through Jesus' sacrifice, it has been restored. And we can enter back into relationship with God since we're now forgiven through Jesus and we can start to feel the joy in a limited way on this earth today, but a fullness of joy when Jesus Christ returns and we receive our eternal reward and we take our place at the right hand of God along with Jesus Christ himself. And that's when we will feel the fullness of the joy that God experiences. What a blessing that he extends that to us. So when we receive our reward with God, God is not a gloomy God. God is not a depressed God. We don't have to worry about living forever with a discouraged God. No, then we'll feel the fullness of his happiness and joy. Turn to Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 9. Matthew 15, and in verse 9. Like I said, God has lived forever in joy and happiness as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, he created the angels to participate in that joy. Most of them accepted that offer. A third of them, the Bible tells us, rejected that offer. Satan and the demons turned from God, rebelled against God. For some reason, they were not content to enjoy that happiness and joy that God extended to them. And now whenever you hear about Satan or we read about Satan, he's not joyful. He's not happy. He seems very depressed and discouraged. 
and uh, does everything he can to disrupt God's plans or to get in the way of them. And if Satan or one of his demons ever gets a hold of a person, as you read examples in the Gospels, the person lives in the graveyard and the person uh, throws themselves in the fire and that they're miserable and suffering and tormented. So you see, anything having to do with God is positive. It's joyful and happy. But once people rebel against God and turn from God, they can't seem to find happiness ever again, unless that relationship with God can be restored. But here it tells us that the relationship that God has had for all eternity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He had it in His heart to extend that to us. That's why He created us. Think about this. He created the human race so that they could enter into His joy and live with him for all eternity in happiness. That's what God's plan for us has been all along. And to make that possible, he sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth to be a, become a human. He was born as a baby in the town of Bethlehem, grew up, and then he ultimately paid the, the penalty, not for his own sins, because he never had any. He paid the penalty for our sins, because starting with Adam and Eve, we had cut ourselves off from a relationship with God due to sin. And something had to be done to restore that relationship, and it was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that restored it. That's why it says in Matthew 15, verse 9, <clears throat> I've got the wrong verse here. Anyway, it talked about Jesus Christ being sent to this earth and uh, dying on the cross. We enter God's joy through Jesus. He brings us to the Father through the Spirit. Okay? And we begin to experience God's joy once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and once God begins to transform our lives. And like I said... Our joy starts to grow, and it's the true joy, the real joy of God, once we enter in relationship and start to do the things that Jesus has commanded us to do. I'll turn to John 13, verse 17. John 13, verse 17. Because even though we don't receive the fullness of joy until we receive our reward at Jesus' second coming, we start to see glimpses of it in our life. That's why Jesus says here in John 13, verse 17. John 13, verse 17. He's talking about no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So in other words, have a serving attitude like Jesus did. And he says in verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It says in the King James Version, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. That's the word makarios. It can mean blessed, but it can also mean happy. We're not only blessed when we follow Jesus' example and obey his word, he says you'll be happy. You'll start to experience true godly happiness if you do the things that Jesus says to do. You're not going to find true godly happiness in riches or possessions or in people uh, because sometimes people let you down and people double-cross you 
So it's not in relationships, human relationships, although we can sense a certain amount of happiness, you know, happy in marriage, happy with your children. You, you start to sense some of that, but you really start to feel God's happiness when you do the things that he tells us to do because we're entering in relationship with him, we're interacting with God, we're praying to him, we're reading his word, we're worshiping him. So we start to feel godly happiness. We're all familiar with the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter five, let's turn back there. This is another example of how we begin to enter into the happiness of God. Uh, Matthew chapter five, Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, he starts to teach the people. And notice what he says. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed, and this is the word makarios, which means happy. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So how do we start to feel God's happiness? Well, here's a good list. To be poor in spirit, humble. If you're that way in God's sight, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that's the word makarios, which can be translated blessed, but elsewhere it's translated happy. Because it means we're blessed by God. Our, our lives have been expanded by God's grace. Uh, we should be happy when these things happen to us. And when we have these experiences. The total opposite of how the world looks for happiness. Jesus doesn't say here, amass a lot of money and you'll be happy. Or have a, a whole fleet of cars, you'll be happy. Have some of the finest houses imaginable and you'll be happy. No, God says to find true godly happiness, you should be humble in spirit. You should mourn in the time of mourning. You should be meek. You should hunger and thirst for righteousness. You should be merciful to others. So the world doesn't understand this. Who in the world or in this society is going to seek happiness by doing these things? I think never in a hundred years could I feel happiness by being humble, by being a peacemaker, by being persecuted. But this is the secret to true happiness. Because when we start obeying Jesus' word and doing these things, we're becoming like him. We're becoming like him. So you find God's true happiness not in the way the world would normally seek it. God is the source of happiness. And we start to feel God's happiness by doing the things that Jesus tells us to do. Now, the supreme happiness of God cannot be achieved in this fallen world. God didn't intend it to be that way. That's why he wants us to look forward to the return of Jesus when we will receive our full reward 
Nevertheless, we can rejoice and be glad now today in our lives on, in this fallen world because as he just promised us, the kingdom of heaven belongs to us. And we will see God. He, sees, he says that in these uh, Beatitudes here. Verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So we're struggling to find happiness. We can feel a certain sense of happiness by doing the things that Jesus tells us to do. But we should rejoice and be glad in this life, even though we don't feel the fullness of God's happiness, because we have the promise that it will be there for us. The kingdom of heaven is ours because of Jesus Christ. Nothing we've done to deserve it. We will see God. We have that promise. So we can rejoice and be glad in that as we look forward kind of through dark glasses to what it's going to be like in the future when Jesus returns. And the time comes that we feel the fullness of God's happiness because we will be in direct relationship with him. We're in relationship with him now, but we're going to see God. We're going to be up close with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, with Jesus Christ himself. We're going to be able to see them and then our happiness will be filled. Turn to Matthew 25, verse 21. Matthew 25 and verse 21. This is the parable of the, of the talents when people receive their reward at Jesus Christ's second coming. And notice what he says here. Matthew 25, verse 21 the time of judgment and the handing out of rewards is taking place at Christ's second coming. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Notice, come and share your master's happiness. That's what the kingdom of God is going to be all about. It's going to be a happy place. Happiness like we have never experienced in this life. There's no way that you can possibly experience it. We get little drips and drabs of it in this life as we do our part to, to follow Jesus' commands in our life. As we are in relationship with God on a daily basis, we feel a little bit of it. We get a sense of satisfaction by doing some of the things that Jesus tells us to do. But it's nothing like what it's going to be in the future. Imagine Jesus talks about us entering into our reward as Welcome, come and share your master's happiness. Because God is happy. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for all eternity, they have been happy together. And that is what God is inviting us to participate in now. And that's what has been promised us because of Jesus Christ. Don't forget, we're saved by grace, not by our works. So our final reward is going to be entering in to the fullness of his happiness. And our human minds can't begin to imagine what that's going to be like. But that is his promise to us. We will see him face to face. And finally, our joy, the joy that God has put a yearning in us for all this life, it's something we feel a need for, something we want to pursue, it will be granted us once and for all and for all eternity. Our eternal life with God is going to be a happy dwelling. It's going to be happy all the time. 
you know, there's nothing that can happen that makes God any happier than he is. And there's nothing that could happen that can lessen God's happiness. That is the existence that we are being drawn into by God. One final verse here in John 16 and verse 22, when he talks about that future time and what it will be like. John 16 and verse 22. He's talking about present day trials as compared to what it's going to be like in the kingdom of God when we receive our reward. He says in John 16, verse 22, so with you, now your time of grief, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. Jesus is gonna return and you will rejoice because we're gonna enter into God's happiness. And notice what he says, and no one will take away your joy. We're gonna have it for all eternity. We're going to be dwelling up close and personal with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the purpose why God created us. <laughs> to enter into that joy and that happiness and to share it with Him for all eternity. God has granted us that understanding. What a blessing that is. So many people in this world wonder. So many philosophers theorize why we're here. And did we just evolve from some sort of swamp gas or, or some lower form animal and we just happened to be here on Earth, just happened to be a planet that life is on and it's got the right distance from the sun and it's got the right temperature and it's got water and it's got oxygen to breathe and, and it's just happenstance. It's just a, a fluke that we're here. You know, that's what our kids are taught in school today. But God teaches us something different, that he created this Earth and he placed us on it because he wants us to share in his eternal life of happiness for all eternity with him. That is his desire for us. And that is the purpose why Jesus Christ was sent down to this earth, to become one of us and to die on the cross because we had cut ourselves off from these promises because of our sins. But God wasn't content with that. He wanted to solve our dilemma. And he did that when Jesus died on the cross. Everything has been made right Everything has been forgiven. We now need to respond to that calling and accept Jesus as our personal Savior and enter into relationship with God and allow Him to begin the transformation process to the point that we participate in it. We'll feel joy in this life today. Just some dribs and drabs of it. Nowhere near the fullness of joy and happiness that we will experience in the kingdom of God. But that's what awaits us. We have been promised the kingdom of God is ours. We will see God. It's just a matter of time now until Jesus returns and we receive that wonderful reward that our minds can't begin to imagine, a life of happiness with God for all eternity. What a blessing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for these promises. And Lord Jesus, thank you for making it possible for us to be reconciled to the Father. We had cut ourselves off from him because of our sins, but you made everything right. This is the good news that we've been called upon to share with others. And it is good news. It's about a future, an eternal future with you, in an existence of nothing but happiness. So Father, help us to preach the gospel. Give us the desire to share that with others as we have the opportunity and help us to be encouraged because we live in a very depressing world, a world cut off from you, 
a world of people trying to find happiness in all the wrong places, and they never succeed. But you have given us hope in your word, and you've given us your promise, and you've given us the truth. Help us to enjoy happiness in, in this life, your happiness, and help us to look forward and hang on to your promises of extreme and supreme happiness in the future in your kingdom. And what a wonderful God you are, and that's why we love you so much. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have our